0: Well, good morning, Crosspoint. Good to see all of you here in person. And for those of you that are joining us online, welcome. It is good to see you. I trust that you are gathered around your computer or maybe you're projecting on your TV. But wherever you are, we are so glad that you've decided to join us well. And uh, you've got this crew here with you as well. And so thanks for tuning in. I know Pastor Ben is live online with you folks as well. Would you do me a big favor? Would you just do something uh, to let him know that you're engaged with it? Because that's important. Ben needs engagement, he really does. Uh, but we really would like to have you uh, start to just talk with each other and get ready. We're going to dive in. We're in our fifth week of our timeless series. Can you believe it? How time flies. It's a man. I know it's pretty lame. It really was, but anyway, yes, it's discipleship for every season, right? It's flannel season. It's hunting season. It's discipleship season. <laughs> it really is, and it's for every season. We're so glad that you've joined us, and I have the opportunity to share with you folks this morning just exactly what does a disciple look like. Now, I want to start off and give you a little backstory on how. I got tagged with doing this, okay? I'm here to tell you that it is, it's its not my fault what I'm about to say. It's all Pastor John Simon's fault. Every bit of it, the blame lays on him. I'm just kidding. But I do want to give you the backstory story real quickly. Um, a few weeks back, Pastor John, uh, like he always does, he'll zip around the church here, and he stopped into my office. We had been talking about a number of things concerning this series uh, over the past couple of weeks before that and whatnot. So he popped in, and he said this. Now, let me just stop right here in this backstory and tell you, for those of you who do not realize I am old. Not as old as him, but I am old. Anyway, and uh, with that, uh, I'm about to describe to you how this whole process came to be that I was going to be speaking on this. And I chose uh, some pictures that I pulled from offline, or online, excuse me, uh, to share with you. And it it comes from a TV show that I used to watch when I was just a little kid. Now, any of you familiar with Andy Griffith? How many? Everybody above 50. 50. Raise their hand. Okay, perfect. Anyway, so uh, I have a little, little bit of assistance on the screen that's going to help me give you an idea of as the progression uh, happened of our conversation, how my reaction happened on the faces of what you're about to see. Okay, here we go. So anyway, he pops into my office and he said, Pastor Dave, he said, listen, I've got just exactly what I want you to preach about. He said, I want you to take this and run with it. And so he comes in, he does it. I'm starting to do one of the headcocks and things like that. And he begins to relate a little bit even more about this. And then he nails it to me. He says, And what I really want you to do, you've got to nail this. You can't miss it. I want you to tell them exactly what a disciple of Jesus looks like. To which I was like, <laughs> You've got to be kidding. Give your head a shake, man. I could not believe that he asked me. No, seriously. I was like, okay, I can do this for sure. And I got thinking after he left. I said, how in the world, God, am I going to be able to do this? And I'm like, I got it. It was just like a revelation came on me. Again, another picture to let you know. The best way to describe, I'm going to turn to a superhero. Bible man. Anybody Bible man people out there? You're kidding one. Okay, we didn't get skunked. Okay, we didn't get skunked. Thank you to Farrah for being the one that watched Bible man. <laughs> That's good. It's a real thing. He's a real superhero. I kid you not. I'm just kidding. But that, no, seriously, um, I said, I can do this. Actually, I really want to do this. And I wholeheartedly said to him, absolutely, without hesitation, And I can tell you how you can describe what a disciple looks like. You have any of these in your home? See that online? It's a mirror, right? If you take that and hold it up in front of you, that's what a disciple looks like. Or at least it should when it comes to the reflection that you see if you follow Jesus as your Savior. And so I really want to uh, take a few moments and let you know Uh, in the time that we have here, and it is limited, so I'm going to whip through a lot of this information that I have for you that I put together. Uh, But I want to be quick about it. But I want to give you guys uh, some attributes or some outputs, if you will, uh, that a person would have in their life if they are a follower of Jesus and a disciple of his and they are actually moving toward Jesus. So that's where we are. We're going to look at eight different Outputs, things that should come out of your life if you're a disciple of Jesus, okay? Of course, there are inputs if outputs come out, right? So we're going to do it backwards. We're going to do the outputs first, and then at the end, I'm going to share with you the inputs. Is that good? Because it'll help you tie it together. Does that work for you guys online? I hope so. All right, let's dive into this thing. Um, I think it's important that we start with the obvious. I usually like to start with obvious things. Don't make this difficult, Pastor Dave. So here's what we're going to look at. The obvious component of being a disciple is not only to believe in Jesus, obviously you need to be one who believes in Jesus, but also following and moving toward him. In other words, you've made him the Lord of your life and you have committed your life to him to follow him for the rest of the days of your life. And so that is an obvious thing, right? If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you need to know him as your personal savior. So a disciple is not someone, though, I really want to clarify this. They are not somebody who has completed all of the discipleship courses at Crosspoint Church. It would be good. I'm just, I'm just having a little fun with you there. It would be good if you did have some of those things. For sure, they can help and they can benefit. But it's not that you've got to have that happen. Discipleship isn't about arriving at some destination, whatever that might be. Rather, discipleship is seen through a directional lens. And when I say a directional lens, it means that you're moving in a direction towards something, right? And so you are moving toward Jesus in this. And then it is also about setting your eyes on Jesus and continually moving towards him. But while discipleship is more about a direction than a destination... There is a difference between someone who's just starting out on their journey with Jesus and those who have been walking in their journey toward Jesus for a lot of years. Kind of like Pastor John and Debbie have for a number of years, uh, myself included. We've been walking on this journey for a number of years. And we look a little bit different as far as our disciple character makeup than somebody who's just starting out on that journey and so be aware of those things so i want to share with you uh, a quick statistics that i got statistic that i got from doing a little research concerning this and i thought man this thing fits it is vital for us to understand if you take a look in the new testament okay read the whole thing if you want to i i've done that but i also want to let you know that i looked this up okay somebody has counted And so there's a number coming your way. If you look in the New Testament, the word disciple occurs over 260 times. Somebody did the counting, okay? Now, they may have had some metric in a computer or whatever happening, and it helped them count it quickly or whatever. But there are over 260 uh, references to the word disciple in it. And get this, only three references to being a Christian. So what is super important? Usually, being a teacher, usually you want to reiterate the important things over and over and over again. And so Jesus made it very, like, you'd have to almost be blind not to see this, very important that to be a follower of his, you need to be a disciple, and you need to be moving in that direction, okay? Okay. And so that's what he wants from all of us, and that's what we should be looking at in this. Jesus intended for his followers to be disciples. You can write that down. Jesus intended his disciples or his followers to be disciples. And basically, that means to be learners and to be students and ultimately apprentices of his And I love that word apprentice because not only does it speak to being a student and a follower, but if you really do some research on the word apprentice, it means you also put into action what you're learning. Are you with me? Are you with me? Okay, I got the wings there with me. How about you in the center? Are you with me? And I know online you guys are with me, right? Ask each other out there. Ask Ben if he's with me. Go ahead and click that in the engagement button down there. But it's, it's really, really uh, important to be moving that way. Dr. Robert Coleman, he's a uh, professor, a senior professor at the, uh, of evangelism and discipleship at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary down in Massachusetts. He describes a disciple as a learner who's following Jesus. You learn by following. Now, studies show that 70% of our learning comes from doing. And there might be some of you out there, no, I learn best by reading. I get that. I know some of people in this room, I'm sure, are online. You're wired to be a learner by reading a lot of things. I'm one of those that reading is okay, but I got to do it, okay? But in reality, we're all better learners when we do something. We come better. We become better at the things we do by doing them, right? Now, I didn't ask for permission on this, but I know Tafara, you're a lawyer, right? Yep. And being a lawyer, in case you didn't know, requires a lot of bookwork, right? Yep. And a lot of reading, and a lot of digging into research and papers and articling, and the list goes on. But I'm telling you something. Have you learned a lot more now that you've put it into practice and actually been doing it? Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can't just walk into a courtroom and just have read and not actually practiced and put this into action and not be good at it. If you want to get better at it, you have to keep putting it into practice. Keep doing it over and over again. Same thing goes with our walk with Jesus. We need to be moving toward him continually, and we need to be putting into practice the things that he teaches us in his word. And what God wants us to learn from the Old Testament to the New Testament, relevant back then and most relevant for today in 2020 for sure. And so we're going to be digging into this and, and uh, we need to know that this is informal on-the-job development that comes through trial and error and growing in experience when we do these things. What would happen if you, being a part of Crosspoint Church, whether you're here in person or joining online, what if you put 70% of all that you've been learning about Jesus into practice? What would happen? Just 70%. Think about it. What incredible things could happen in your life and in the lives of those around you? And we have to realize that the common thread that holds all of this together is that directional thing, that movement toward Jesus. Okay? So we can start there. And we're going to dig into these eight things. Now, let's look at some of these attributes. That uh, to be a disciple of Jesus. And I mentioned to you that these are eight outputs of what should be coming out of your life if you are a disciple. Now, this is not the checklist. It's a portion of a lot of things. So don't call it the checklist and say, everything that I've got there, that's it. There's a lot more to it. But it's taken from a credible research project where there was a large study done on discipleship, and it presents a very solid framework for any of us gathering wherever we are that can help us determine just exactly what a disciple is going to look like. And these are rooted in the Scripture. And uh, what I want you to do is get your Bibles out. If you've got them with you, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 4 for the first portion of this, and then we're going to move through a whole bunch of them. Okay? Hebrews chapter 4, if you've got it, you can turn there on your device, or if you've got the paper Bible, like this one right here, you can go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 4, and let's dig into the first one. Okay, you ready? Here we go. Now, if you don't, I'm going to move fast. If you don't get all of this, you can go back later and watch the sermon again. We're going to post it online. I'm going to move real quickly. I might take a breath in between them, possibly. Here we go. Number one, the first output is Bible engagement. That is strategically placed there. The first one, Bible engagement. You have got to engage with the word of God if you are going to be a disciple who's actually moving and growing and learning. You just can't do the Sunday only thing coming in and listening. You have got to get in God's word. And so we have got to engage with God's word. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 says this, for the word of God is alive and powerful it isn't dead. Okay? It's alive and it's powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It is getting in there deep, really deep. And it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. God's word can do that. And then over in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says this. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to te- to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives get it all scripture every bit of it it's able to do that it corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right that's just what god's word does it's able to do that we have to be willing to listen as we read it and realize that this is good for us. And so that's the first one, Bible engagement. You know, the Bible teaches and describes a believer in Jesus, those who follow him as learners. That's what it teaches. It is impossible to fulfill God's invitation to follow him and to serve him without committing to a lifestyle of learning. And you do it by engaging with the word. You got to do it. You can't shift her into neutral. You've got to engage with it. Okay, number two, obeying God and denying self. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 9 with this here. I'm going to read this. And this story... It's most of the way down through the story of Jesus engaging with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. I'm sure many of you are familiar with that story. But we're going to look at verses 23, 4, and 5 in this here. And I really want you to listen to what is being said here about obeying God and denying self. Here's what it says. Then he told them what they could expect for themselves, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. Who's speaking here? Jesus. So anyone who intends to go on this journey with me as a disciple has to do what? Has to let me lead. Jesus is saying that. Not Dave Rowe. It's Jesus that has to lead. Not Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all those that were following him. It's Jesus that has to lead. You're not in the driver's seat, he says. I am, meaning Jesus. Don't run from suffering, embrace it. And I've got to let you know, I'm a little bit emotional today and have been over this time of working through this whole understanding what it is to be a disciple. Listen, it is tough. Don't run from suffering and saying, embrace it. Anybody suffering during these days? I feel like I am. I'm telling you, these COVID days are ugly at times, but they're awesome as well. They really are. But It is hard for me to realize that I have to suffer and struggle through this. And then he tells me I should embrace that. It's hard. It doesn't register and resonate with me much. I just don't want that. But he says, you've got to. And so I'm like, all right, I yield to that, Lord. You know better. And it's been rough, but it's been so good too. And then he goes on to say, self-sacrifice is the way, my way. Jesus is saying, it's my way to finding yourself, your true self. What good would it do, he says, to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? Let those words just wash over you for a little bit. Your best interest is at heart in him. That's what it is. And so it's, we, we need to really get after that one here in obeying him. And then Matthew chapter 28, 20 says this, teach new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. He's, Jesus is speaking to his disciples there and what's he telling them to do? He's telling them to go out and to obey what he's tell, telling them to do, to teach new disciples. So if you are a disciple of Jesus It's not over. You've got to be out there teaching new disciples about what God has done. He's the hope of the world. If we don't do it, who will? Think about that. Let that wash over you. Who's going to do it? We have got to be doing it. Then he goes on to say, and be sure of this. Speaking of timeless, Jesus speaks timeless in this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That was good for them back during Jesus' day when he was walking here on this earth, and it's good for 2020, and it's good for the future. He's always with us. Number three, serving God and others. Serving is a big deal in Jesus' life. It is a huge deal. Jesus provided a great example for all Christians both through his spoken words and deed and the Apostle Paul states in Titus chapter 3, verse 14. I want you to go there. Titus 3, verse 14. Here's what it says. Our people must learn to do good by meeting the urgent needs of others. Listen, Paul is telling that the people that are disciples of Jesus have got to be on the game. They've got to be in the game. They've got to be on the ball and meet the urgent needs of others. Jesus modeled it. And so should we. So we have got to be on the ball for this and meet the needs, uh, the urgent needs of others. Then they will not be unproductive. And those then they will not be unproductive is the disciples. That's us. We won't be unproductive. We'll be busy. We'll be doing the work. So that's important and it's a big deal with God. Now the next one, the fourth one is another big one it's huge. You might be saying, Pastor Dave, you're saying they're all big. They are. But this one in Bible engagement, you can put stars next to this one. Number four says this. It is sharing Jesus. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple, you have got to be sharing your faith. You've got to be. He tells us to do that. A key mark, catch this, a key mark of a growing disciple in an outward focus, is someone who is sharing their faith. For individuals, it means intentionally befriending and building relationship bridges with non-believers, people who are not Christians, people who are not following Jesus. You have got to be intentional about that. And then this is what you have to do. Along with building that relationship, you have got to invite those friends, their friends, and those acquaintances with you to church. Bring them with you. And I get it. In these days, coming into this building, you might be saying, absolutely not, I'm not going to do that. That's not safe. Listen, you don't have to bring them into this building. Take them online. That's super simple. We don't have excuses for not sharing our faith. We don't. And so we have got to be working at that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says this. We're Christ's representatives. That's why we have to share this. We are Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and to persuade women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. That's what God does. He desires to make things right between man and, men and women and him. And because we are the representatives of him, we've got to share our faith. We have no excuses for not. None. The word says it, and we've got to be about doing that. Right? And then right behind that is number five, exercising our faith. Exercising our faith. From Genesis to Revelation, the Christian experience is described using words like this. Believe, trust, to rely upon, and to act upon. So you see it's a it's something that you have to be active in. It's clear that above all God desires active faith in his people. For without faith it's impossible to please God. Hebrews we're going back to Hebrews chapter 11. Let's take a look at that one. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 6 through 8 it says this. It's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. Now get this. He gives us examples of this, of faith in action. By faith, Noah built a ship in the middle of the desert, in the middle of dry land, building a ship. Come on. He was warned, though, about something that he couldn't see, which was what? The coming flood. That's why he was asked to build the ship. And he acted on what he was told. He acted on it. The result? His family was saved when the flood came. His act of faith, I want you to catch this, it says, his act of faith drew a very sharp line between evil of the unbelieving world and the rightness of the believing world. As a result, Noah became intimate with God. I would get intimate with the one who told me, this is coming, even though you can't see, you trust me, do it. And that's what God wants for us, is that intimate relationship with us, because we're living our faith out. And then verse eight, by an act of faith, Abraham, another example said yes to God's call to travel to an unknown place that would become his home. When he left, he had no idea where he was going. But God was faithful to him. And he trusted him, and he acted on it. I love it. And so we have that exercising faith. Number six. Number six is seeking God in prayer. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. It's a short verse. Pray never stop praying never stop praying 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17 listen how do we engage with god we seek after god we can do it in prayer in fact that's one of the most incredible ways to seek god is to spend time talking to him you get to know people better when you talk to them right if you're in a relationship with somebody friends spouse boyfriend girlfriend whatever it might be coworker you get to know them better when you talk to them. That's what praying is. Right? You can do it anywhere. You can do it in church. You can do it next to your wood splitter. You've heard me talk about this before. I pray out loud, sometimes very loud, sometimes yelling when the motor is really running loud just because I want to cover up everything I'm saying to God. But I spend a great deal of time praying with him. by my wood splitter. Why not? But that's how we seek after God as we get into a relationship that we're seeking after in that way. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 tells us that it's a good one, but also over in John chapter 4, listen to this. And Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman by the well at this time, okay? Here's what it says. But the time is coming. It has, in fact, come. When what you are called will not matter, and where you go to worship will not matter. Think that for today. It's who you are and the way you live that count before you God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. He's not looking for fluff. Just be yourself in front of him. Just be yourself. That's all God wants. God is sheer being itself, spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being. Their spirits. Their true selves in adoration, love, and respect to him. That's all God wants from us. And so we need to be working toward that. Number seven, building relationships. The Christian faith is neither a spectator sport nor is it a solo sport. Not at all. Building relationships. Matthew chapter 28 verse 19 says this. Therefore... Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus is talking to his disciples, which I've already talked to you about before. When he talks to his disciples, they're going out and making new disciples. So what's different about them than us? Nothing. Except that they lived a long time ago, and we live in 2020. And so we have got to go into all the world and teach, make disciples to all the nations. We've got to do that. And all the world means Regent Street, Prospect Street, on campus at some university or school, in your home, Keswick Ridge, wherever you are. That's all the world, and that's what we're talking about. Building relationships. We have got to be doing that. Everybody has got to be doing that. And so another way that you can do that as well is go online and engage with people there on our webpage. If you click the uh, Get Help and then look at the Get Support platform that World Hope provided for us, it shows an easy way for you to go out and engage with people. And you can build relationships with them that way. I'm not talking about dating relationships. I'm talking about meeting needs of people. That's what I'm talking about. That's what that platform does. So I want to encourage you to do that sometime. Or call and talk to me. I'm here in the office. And if I'm not... Kathy knows how to find me. You can do that. I want to encourage you to do that. Last one, number eight, is unashamed and transparency. There have been three big ones in this list of eight. Bible engagement, sharing Christ, and this last one, unashamed, transparency. They tie together. James chapter 5, verse 16. Let's take a look at that one. Listen to what it says. Make this your common practice. Your common practice. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. I love it. I love it. I want my prayers to be something to be reckoned with because God is at work in my life. That's what that means. Not what I do, but it's through God. Now we've got all of our outputs. We need inputs to get outputs, right? And so here's where we are. I've got some outputs that I want to share with you as we move toward Jesus. Because outputs don't actually move people toward Jesus. The outputs have to be activated by the inputs. Here they are. There are three of them. They're not going to be on the screen. Just follow along. Here's what they are. Number one, just like I said at the beginning, the big output was engaging with the word Number one is reading the Bible. If you do it four times a week, studies have shown transformation begins in somebody's life. I'm talking just reading the word. I'm not talking about getting all the thesauruses, all the concordances, all the books. I'm not talking about getting all those. Just read the word. Just read it. There's 66 books in there. Start in Genesis. Start wherever you want, but just read it four times a week, and you'll start to see transformation happen. That's one input that triggers these outputs. Number two, regularly attending service at your church, Crosspoint Church it might be. Maybe it's somewhere else. I don't know. Either in person or online. That's the way we do church these days. We can come in person, or we can go online and go to church. I'm encouraging you to do it. Some of you are joining us online. Way to go. It is great. It becomes fantastic when you go to church online and you're engaging with everybody else that's online with you. So make sure that you're doing that. Just say to somebody in the chat session right now, say, are you paying attention to Pastor Dave? What points he on? Ask. Go ahead and ask that. And then third, the last one, get into a small group. Get into a small group if you think about this just for a minute, you might be saying, well, small groups are not my thing. Okay. And I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I'm not. And I get it's really tough in a pandemic. I get it. But just look at the example. Jesus, I think, had small groups, right? It's not a stretch. He had 12 guys around him, right? To me, that's not 12 guys is a little less than here, right? And then he had three of those 12 who were really close to him. Really close. And he poured into them. That's where we get to pour into people, is in small groups. If you want to talk to somebody about that here at our church, how we do it in person or online, you can check with Pastor Ben. He's heading those things up. But I want to challenge you with those three things today. Those are the inputs that will trigger the outputs. Think about those things.